Hey everybody and welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat. It is your source for all the AEW news and reviews. I'm Andy. Sitting next to me here in the loft is Jenny. Hello. And 115 miles to our southwest, it's your dynamite recapper, Mama Megan. Hello. So much to get into before we do any of it. We do what we do to start every show, every week. Jenny? The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. I actually have a pop. Have oh, crack. I'm proud of you. Yeah, it's crack. It's not a pop. Sorry. Still. I've got a White Claw. It's a Tropical Palmeo Splash or something to that effect. Okay. Uh, You've got the fancy claws. Yeah, they, they have like more than one flavor in them. So, but yeah, um, I haven't had this one in a long time, but uh, it's left over from last year. So we'll just, we'll see how it tastes. Maybe. Oh, oh the effort, the look on your face, the effort that took. I think it was worth it. It was a very loud crack. I think... Um, I've been having some hand trouble since I went back to work with working and holding Emma. And I think, uh, you can't even open those claws. Can't even open a claw. I've got claw hands now. That's sad. Megan. I don't need to have claw hands because I've got this box of wine. Oh, yeah. I'm on a Boda box week because my grazie is out for the month. Because it's... Because we drank it? I shared it. Jenny. <laughs> I shared it. It was good. I liked it. I did too. Yeah. I would I would recommend. I yeah. highly recommend. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I was happy to share it. I just, you know, I have to rotate in the, uh, the, the stuff I can get at the store down the street with the stuff that is mailed to me. Andy, are you drinking anything? You cracking nope. anything? Nope. Ugh. I'm out of water. You don't even have water? No, I ran out. Okay, well, I mean... He's not even sipping anything. There's like a Brita up here. There's a water downstairs. No. No water in this house. Ugh. All right. That is it for the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Cheers, everyone, and happy drinking. All right, let's talk ratings. First, we talk about Rampage. Oh, no. Friday's AEW Rampage. This is, of course, from Paul Fontaine over at WrestlingObserver.com. Friday's AEW Rampage averaged 385,000 viewers. That's up 3.5% from last week. However, in the 18 to 49... They drew a .13, which is up 18% from the previous week. So, decent number for Rampage uh, on the evening. And uh, let's see, what did Collision do? Saturday night's episode of AEW Collision averaged 476,000 viewers up on TNT, up 38% from the previous week's series low. This is tied for the fourth lowest audience total the show has done since debut in June. Um, Collision finished 14th on the cable charts with a 0.15 rating, 
which is up 36% from last week. Um, the cable charts were dominated by college football. 11 of the top 12 shows were either games or football-related programming. The only exception was the Women's U.S. Open Final, which finished third with a .72 rating. Uh, all five broadcast Coco. networks... Yeah. All five broadcast <laughs> networks were also airing college football. Um, so, yeah. But despite that, the show rose. Yeah, but it was like... It didn't have much to rise from... Yeah, to be honest, it was like hardly anyone. I mean, uh, like you and Megan Washington, that was pretty much the audience last Emma week. Emma was there. <laughs> she saw. And finally, Dynamite, last night's show, the show we're going to talk about later on tonight. Wednesday night's episode of AEW Dynamite averaged 888,000 viewers on TBS. Almost the exact same as the 887 last week. Um, and a .31 rating, which is also the same as they did last week. So pretty much even with last week. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's good that they held heading into a... I think, I think they are poised to do a good number for Grand Slam next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't drop... Uh, you know, the, the main event of this show is the finals for the big grand slam main event i'm assuming with mjf mm-hmm. so i would hope that that would draw in some viewers and if i guess if rampage is an indication i'm assuming it did better relative to how bad it usually does because there were two tournament matches on it probably yeah <laughs> yeah so it seems like people might be interested in this tournament which is i said it you know good. i said it I said it on Collision Show this weekend. I think the tournament is good. I thought it was a good. I thought it ended up being a good thing. Yeah, I agree with you about the outcome of like if either guy wins, MJF has a reason to be invested in defeating him. You know, like he has. Also, beef. It, was, it was just fun to have like, you know, in an eight day, in an eight day period, we have four shows because dynamite to dynamite. And we just had a nice through line throughout all four shows where we had like we were following one story and we got the it was like we got the setup and the conclusion all in one week. Yeah, Tony is so good at tournaments or at least so practiced that he sets them up just so he can knock them down in like a week's time. Do you guys like, remember when they did the TBS tournament and it stretched out over like two months? Yes, yes, and it was just like what? And it was like. It was like, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta like do the finals on the debut Dynamite on TBS, obviously. Like when it switches networks, and it's like, okay, then why didn't you start it like three weeks ago instead of? <laughs> they really yes. needed to build. You announced it very early, and then you jumped right into it. Um, I have some quotes from Brian Danielson. He gave an interview to Sports Illustrated uh, earlier this week, and he clarified some things about uh, the whole retirement deal. Um, so he said, in my mind, uh, it's around August of next year. My daughter will say, daddy, are you going to be done wrestling when I turn seven? And I'll respond, well, not exactly when you turn seven, but I'll be on the home stretch. Um, he says, I don't think I'll ever reach a point where I declare I'm absolutely done. I want the ability to show up when I want to show up. Terry Funk is someone I always admired. He retired a million times, but he loved it so much. He couldn't help but keep doing it. And he did it when he wanted to. For me, it might be a couple times a year, or it might be years between matches. 
He said, I didn't get a chance to do All In this year. I would like the chance next year. We have a show, Wrestle Dream, this October in Seattle where I'm wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. If we have another next year in Seattle, maybe we'll be then. My daughter turned seven in May, so it's a good cl- time to close down the shop. Why? What? I still don't get why seven is a good time to close down the shop. Uh, he said he also noted that his AEW contract expires shortly after his daughter's birthday. Um he said he also uh, wants to work a show for Defy, which is the uh, the kind of rising indie in the Seattle area that has some traction. Um, he said, I always thought I'd wrestle until the day I die, but it's not going to be this regular weekly wrestling. I don't know if it's even going to be wrestling at big shows. Um, how easy would it be for me to call the Defy promoter and pop in some weekend? They wouldn't even need to promote me. I could come in, surprise people, and do my thing. Um, and he says, also says, there's this realization that over the past year, I'm getting hurt after every big match I have. That's a sign. I love wrestling, but I do not want to wrestle at the expense of my long-term health. I did the Iron Man match with Max, and then I didn't wrestle again until Anarchy in the Arena. And even that was a lot of smoke and mirrors. Then I wrestle Okada, and I break my arm. The injuries are starting to pile up. At what point is that worth the risk? Especially when my kids want and need me at home. I mean, we're currently watching Total Divas, where he's dealing with um his major um, concussion issues concussion yeah. issues so like yeah i i agree i think he needs to probably like seriously cut back or just stop especially if the injuries are are piling up and your body's just getting older it's just easier to get hurt now um but i hope that doesn't mean that he's not that he's like gonna be completely out of business like he'd be a great promoter i think he'd be a great producer i think he'd be a great um you know, <laughs> general manager of AEW. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, sounds like we'll have Daniel Brandon or Brandon Johnson to kick around for at least another year, though. I mean, it makes a lot more sense to clarify that it's not like a year and then completely done. I just think he loves wrestling so much that I'd be surprised if he could stay away. But it does make sense to have a reduced schedule. It also makes sense when you think of like what he said about. Um, his contract being up like right around the time of her seventh birthday. Yeah, so like, we, did he promise yeah, Birdie, or was he like, "Hey, Birdie, your seventh birthday is coming up. Would you like Daddy to stop wrestling right around that time?" Because I could, technically. Like, did he approach yeah. Birdie this year just to be like, "Hey, kid, my contract's up next year around your birthday. You want that?" <laughs> Um, here's an interesting story. I think this is the most interesting story of the week. Uh, thanks to a Freedom of Information public court records request, the turnstile count for last month's AEW All-In from London's Wembley Stadium has been revealed. First noted by WrestleNomics, the Brent Council, which are the local authorities for the borough located in Greater London, responded to the request and stated that the turnstile number, which is actual ticketed fans in the venue that night, was 72,265. Where's the other 9,000? The announced total paid number by AEW was 81,035. It's unknown how many of the turnstile count were actually paid versus comped tickets, as that wasn't provided. Uh, To this point, AEW has only announced paid tickets and did not include comp tickets or any other breakouts. Traditionally announced attendance for sporting events and concerts is the total tickets distributed, which includes paid and comp tickets, as turnstile numbers are usually not made public. Um, 
But the turnstile's off. It's below. It's 9,000 below. So if you think, if you're just saying that, like, not everyone comped, isn't like, you would think the turnstile would be above what they would announce as, like, paying for a ticket. Well, so, something that local wrestling fans in England have been, I've been seeing on social media anecdotally, is there was some kind of transportation strike going on, and... It was like a tra- like getting to the arena and getting out of the arena was like a complete mess, and so the theory is that like lots of fans, like a not insignificant percentage of fans, might have just not gone to the show for, due to the hassle. I was, bought, like, well, didn't Alan say they didn't get back to their hotel until like three or four in the morning? Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if like you know there is a certain le- amount of people that just probably buy tickets and then you know sickness or life stuff comes up but 9000 seems like a lot but with the transportation yeah. factored in i would be willing to never tickets purchased uh brandon thurston on wrestlenomics had this quote in there wrestlenomics was told by a source that a typical AEW event has a drop count also known as a turnstile count that is about 80 to 90% of the paid attendance or tickets distributed. In this case, 72,265 is 89% of 83,131. Yep. Um, by that estimate, there were approximately 2,000 non-paid tickets distributed in addition to the announced paid number. So, I don't know, just thought it was interesting. I'm sure it will uh, lead to very healthy discourse about uh, <laughs> who has the record for the, the most attended wrestling show. <laughs> oh my god. Pretty fun. Um, Megan? Yeah. Did you notice that uh, on uh, Dynamite, they announced that on Rampage, the main event will be Chris Statlander versus Jade Cargill for the TBS championship? I did, and I thought that's weird to put it on that show that a very small amount of people watch. Right. It's like a weirdly big match for Rampage, right? Yeah. Which I guess the idea being let's lift Rampage ratings if possible, but I feel like you're going to waste a potentially very good match on a show that most of your audience doesn't bother tuning into. Okay. Spoiler alert. I'm going to spoil Rampage. So if you don't want to hear Rampage spoilers, you know, hit the two-minute skip button on your podcast device or whatever. Okay, this is an article from Observer.com by Joseph Courier. Fightful reported overnight that Jade Cargill is believed to be finishing up with AEW. Sources within both AEW and WWE told Fightful that they believe Cargill is on her way to WWE. After being away from AEW for nearly four months, Cargill returned to television on Collision last Saturday that set up a TBS championship match between Chris Statlander and Cargill that was taped on Wednesday night, the wire on this Friday's dyna- uh, Rampage. At the Rampage tapings, Cargill lost clean to Statlander. Dave Meltzer noted on Wrestling as a Radio that fans who attended the tapings felt like Cargill was saying her farewell to AEW. Cargill waved to the crowd like she was leaving, and she and Statlander hugged. Huh. Uh, it was confirmed on Observer Radio that the belief is Cargill is going to WWE. Uh, Brian Alvarez said the belief by the end of the night was that she's probably done with AEW and likely going to WWE. But, you know, there's a possibility 
until she's signed with WWE, I suppose there's still a chance she could come back. But ever, certainly everyone has this idea that she's gone. So, wow. That's a, that's a big loss. You think? I, I, you know, they, 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 um, they seem to really like Jade. Yeah, I like Jade. I, it's the thing to me about Jade is that they clearly never really trusted her in the ring because she never had long matches. Um, she always just squashed people and they never did any of the, they never put her up against any of the other big stars. Like she, she never wrestled Britt Baker. She never wrestled, uh, mm. uh, Hikaru Shida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she never wrestled, uh, Tony Storm. So I just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's all that's about left for Jade to do. Um, I, and honestly, like the, when I think about WWE, I think she fits in pretty well there. Oh yeah, she's totally fits in with WWE. Yeah. Yeah. I just I wonder if the split is a mutually, you know, happy one. Uh because I do get the impression that while she has not gone up against the big stars yet, they were positioning her and working with her with the it seemed like they were trying to make her a future big star you know like they were giving her this big run even though like you said she's green and they didn't it was a lot of squash jobs but i i was assuming that was because they were giving her time to develop her skills while also building her character up to be really like have a good solid reputation and then once she actually could stand behind it then then you move her into like running up the ladder and becoming a big star so like a lot of investment for someone to then just leave and you know obviously she should do what's good for her and tony khan is running a business so they would ultimately do what's best for them but it just seems like i wonder how he feels about that one i don't know um i do know that a healthy wrestling industry is uh one where uh talent is jumping back and forth between the two companies and using them as leverage against each other so Mm, i'm not I'm not necessarily upset about this. Um, I mean, I won't ever see her again. Uh, I guess I guess I'll probably see her <laughs> in the Royal Rumble once a year. But uh, other than that, um, I'm unlikely to see her. So, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And of course, you know, it, it might not happen. It just sounds like it's you know, it's not like these are not reports saying that she has signed with WWE. These are reports saying people believe that she is going to go to WWE. Mm. So, well, at a minimum, it sounds like. If she's saying goodbye, she's not going to try and re-sign with AEW. Right, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Okay, let's do my new favorite segment where I just list the uh, results for last (laughs) week's Ring of Honor television. And Megan just reacts to, like, some of the names that she doesn't know that are weird. And being and also and, and, and otherwise going like, oh, so that's where that person has been. Um, uh, yeah, I love to learn where the people I haven't seen in forever ended up. And it's, I guess, Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, okay, so we first of all, can you tell me how many total matches? Yes. Five, six, seven. Is this death before dishonor? No, this is twelve matches. No, this is the weekly television show. Mm. It has twelve matches on it. Do you have runtime? What? Do you have the runtime? No, I don't know the runtime. I, okay. I don't think it was 55 minutes like last week. Um, 
Okay, here but we they go. Did 55, they did 12 matches in 55 minutes last no, week? No, they did seven matches in 55 minutes last week. Still, it's um, quite a clip, but... Huh. Yeah. No, it is like, it seems like it's paced like old dark, like or like pandemic era dark. Okay. Get in, get out, let's do this. Like, match, match, match. <laughs> okay, first match, ROH World's Women's Championship match. Athena defeated Allison Kay to retain her title. Uh, Tony Nice defeated Silas Young. The SAP and Helico and Serpentico defeated Adam Priest and Shaft. What? Shaft like Shaft without a T? Like <laughs> yes. Okay. Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue defeated the Renegades. Charlotte and Robin. I like the Renegades. Oh. Okay, I, I like. I think that's that's like a top tier for uh, ROH women match i guess which yeah. is i don't know what that says about that but uh roh world six-man tag team championship proving ground match um which is what ring of honor calls their title eliminator matches okay uh the mogul embassy defeated griff garrison metalik and gravity so that's where Gr- okay i was like <laughs> the other uh what's his name um brian uh, yes to be done. Yeah. he left right so i was like yeah. is griff done but no he's an rh okay kira hogan defeated layla gray okay willie mack and the infantry which is a tag team consisting of carly bravo and the captain sean dean oh, captain sean dean defeated jaw c davy bang and august matthews what are this is just word salad. You're just picking <laughs> random words and slapping them together for names. Legit Layla Hirsch defeated Lady Frost. I remember Lady Frost. We saw her like once on something. I think she was pretty good. She had a good look. Yeah, I think she fought Statlander for She's Oof. tall, right? She's like another tall lady. Uh I think so. She's also like she's like a body builder late and like not extreme but like she looks strong and she she lifted chris dylander up which is Got good it. for her eddie kingston and katsuyori shibata defeated gringo loco and blake christian okay <laughs> okay they're moonlighting okay uh roh world heavyweight championship proving ground match champion claudio castagnoli defeated shoddy lee johnson oh lee johnson sorry the Iron Savages defeated Ren Jones and Caleb Conley. Oh, okay. But they get to That's go fine. do something else, right? Like, they get to be on Dynamite or Collision? The Iron Savages, they're going to wrestle FTR in Collision Saturday. Okay, yeah, okay. Upgrade. And finally, in the main event, Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and the best friends, Trent and Chuck, Defeated the Outrunners, Turbo Floyd and Truth Magnum, and the Workhorsemen, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. That The one side of that ring is a wild look. Like This just this just sounds like dark with title belts. Yep, it feels like it, which I feel kind of... It's like... I don't know. It kind of strikes me as 
sad the way I think of ROH now because I remember going to the live shows with you in Columbus and thinking, wow, this is really cool. This is quality. Like they, they're putting on a great show. And now it just, I'm just a little sad about how I feel about ROH and maybe I'm not giving it a, a proper shot, but it seems like it really like fell to the wayside as far as where it stood um, compared to other shows. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I don't know what the long term plan for Ring of Honor is, or if there is one. They have pay per views, so you'd think that they want to make it compelling. But you know, we have yet to watch one of those pay per views, so I guess I, I watched one. I haven't I haven't watched one since they started their TV though. Oh, you watched the pre? Okay. Yeah. I watched the one with like the second Briscoes versus FTR match. That makes sense, because that match, that's one that would sell a pay-per-view. Yes, yes. It sold it to me. Yeah. Um, what was I guess? Oh, like an unrelated to AEW news bit that I did want to mention. I How like how exciting is it that New Japan World is finally going to have like real apps on things? Finally, good for them. Because I, I, when I was subscribed, it was like, I guess I'm just watching on my computer all the time. <laughs> yeah. They said, like, native iOS and Android apps, so I'm hoping that means that they all have, like, an Apple TV app. If not, though, even if you have to, like, cast it from your phone, Apple, like, Apple device to Apple device, the AirPlay, I think works pretty well, honestly. It does, yeah. I mean, we so, did that with, um, uh, what should we call it, right? All in? Yeah. Watching it from an iPad. Yeah. The whole time we were watching that, I wanted to say, so many times, I just want to say, like, this is really going well, but I was afraid to. Oh, yeah, (laughs) you don't want to curse it. But it really, it went well, and, yeah, I think that just the fact that it's, like, native iOS talking, like, devices talking to each other, it's going to work great. It's, It's more stable than Chromecast, that, at least in my experience. So, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like I'm much more inclined to like get back into New Japan now if they if this app actually works, you know. Now the key is though, <laughs> I do remember when I was subscribed, they just put pictures of the matches up that gave away the winners. Yeah, do you think you can install the Chrome extension uh, spoiler <laughs> blocker onto the Apple TV app? Probably not, right? No, you gotta hope that they've thought rethought that setup. Like, use different thumbnails, because um, that was, yeah, that was always a, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that setup. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I think I did show you that extension, though, right? Yeah, and I downloaded it immediately, because I wanted to watch the G1 <laughs> tournament, and I was, like, a day behind, a day or two at least, and I'm just like, they're going to tell me who's winning. <laughs> like, I, need to, I need to not know that going in. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so that's supposedly coming this fall. Um, All right. Let's do the Elite Beat Plug of the Week, which you are now moving forward into the show uh, because, you know, we're all so tired by the end of the show. And so we want to have some enthusiasm about the the non-AEW stuff we're into. I am so excited about my plug this week. Oh, okay. Jenny, why don't you take it away? I, Andy and I, watched Barbie... This you week? guys went. To, did you go to the theater? No, 
It came out on on the videos. I don't know like what on, that means. I don't on, know what the videos are. On the video, I bought, on the TV. I bought it on iTunes. Okay, that's clear. That's more clear. Sorry, Jenny. <laughs> I couldn't remember the words. It is excellent. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was very like fun and like feminist without being too preachy. Yes, they've got a little preachy, but I liked a little preachiness. Um, <laughs> there's like a Ken, a really long extended Ken, like singing and dance number that could have been like shored up a little bit, like tighten that one up a little bit. <laughs> but um, that was my only. Judy's uh... got notes for Greta Gerwig. <laughs> I'm sure she's just opened all. All note givers. Jenny's got notes for the, the the number one box office movie of the year. <laughs> Look, I would have done it a little differently, and here's how. <laughs> you could have made about three hundred million more dollars if you just shored this up. I, know, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was wonderful. Megan, we will watch it with you as soon as we are finished watching the Star Trek movies. Oh, um, yeah. And you're gonna love it, Emily. I don't. Uh, Emily's gonna like the sentiment of it. I don't know if she's gonna. I think love she'll like it. it. She's a little feminist too. Yeah. Okay. Good. We're all dirty feminists over in this household. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there are many. Excellent. There are many specific jokes that I would not want to spoil. Oh, there's some excellent, excellent jokes that really speak to you. Really speak to me. Like personally, <laughs> like I felt like. They looked into my soul and, like, made a couple, like, just very Jenny-specific jokes, which apparently are not Jenny-specific. Yeah. Uh, They might be. You just might be more, um, you might have more wide appeal than you thought you did. Yeah. I mean, this podcast has been out for, like, years now. That's true. Greta is probably just, like, (laughs) listening to this podcast. Maybe Noah Baumbach is is a big collider. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's always telling his life about uh, what's going on on the elite beat. Hey, just at least excellent. at least you're not over there burning Barbie dolls and doing like 45 minute tirades about how um, masculinity is at th- like there's a threat. You know, at least you're on the pro side. God damn it! Did they learn nothing from the movie? No, they didn't watch the movie. They just got mad at it. Oh my god! Yeah, it's just like reading the headline without clicking into the article, uh, and then. And then losing your mind. So do you have anything else you want to say about Barbie? Or uh, is that good for now? Uh, That's good for now. Other than the fact that I had to like really hold back several times today. When I was in a meeting and they're asking about like general feedback on like the company and leadership. And I wanted to be like, oh my God, on Barbie this <laughs> oh god you were gonna quote barbie at your leaders i love it you should you should just slide it in and see if anybody notices you know just be like any barbies out there so that is barbie um it is in our itunes library for anyone who has access to that um which is i believe my parents your parents and megan um hell yeah uh, and I presume it'll be on Max because it's a Warner Brothers movie at some point after it's done making tons and tons of money on VOD. I don't know how much you spent on it, but it was worth every penny. All right, I will not tell you how much I spent on it then. 
Fifty dollars? No, it's it's not the Less pandemic. Watching a movie. Lower than fifty. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah, so that was that was Barbie. It was really fun. It was really fun. I liked it a lot. Um, the only thing that would have made it better. Yeah. Greta is to have watched with Megan and a glass of champagne. Yeah. Greta, take that note. <laughs> Send us champagne and somehow give me access. <laughs> um, that would make the movie better. <laughs> and tighten up that Ken dance. <laughs> I'm excited. I've I've not had spoilers, and I've only sort of peripherally through memes like had, you know, any insight into it. So I'm excited. I think Margot Robbie is great, and I think. Ryan Gosling has gotten a lot of praise, and I'm totally willing to believe that he's really good at being kind of a mindless Ken doll. No offense, Ryan. Uh, he's excellent in it as well. Yeah, super excited. But Mar- Margot is amazing, and I love her Birds of Prey as well. She's she's I like her a lot. I do too. I'm glad that she finally has a. Uh, like a starring vehicle that uh, was like a huge blockbuster hit because uh, that was something that she was kind of lacking. She was? Yeah, because Suicide Squad is like an ensemble and Birds of Prey bombed. And oh, but it's so good. I know, and I know. DC in general wasn't having a great run with their movies. Mm-hmm. So. No. Yeah, but uh, like that first Suicide Squad movie did really well, but... Again, like, you know, Will Smith was, you know, well, I mean, Will Smith was the lead of that movie because he was the biggest star at the time. I also, like, I know he's got some issues now, what with the slap, um, but I thought he did brilliantly with that character and he made it really entertaining in a way that I didn't expect. So between him and Margot, I was like, you guys are the stars here. Um, I'm so glad we did our Will Smith day before that happened because, like, <laughs> I would have felt a little weird about it. Probably not too weird because I think he's still amazing, but... um it it would have it would have hit a little different. Um. Yeah. Like he's problematic in a way that it's it, it's at least not like he uh you know had sexual assault issues or anything along those lines. Like yes, you shouldn't slap Chris Rock, but in the hierarchy of like bad things that actors have done, it's not as high as some other stuff. That is true. I, yes, I think um, everything should be put into context, and not everything is the same level and degree of bad. Yeah, but um, I'm glad for Margot. Uh, winding it back to Barbie, I, lo- I loved Will in uh, Suicide Squad. I loved her in Suicide Squad. Too bad it was not good. Um, but the second one I thought was pretty fun. They just need a Zack Schneider cut of suicide squad to make it good right uh yes with a lot of ancient lamentations <laughs> um so i finally got my complete story of film blu-ray uh so maybe that'll be my plug next week because i haven't got a chance to crack it open yet but uh looking forward to maybe watching some of that this weekend uh i will plug um i will plug I guess I put Star Trek Nemesis, which... Damn you. Was that going to be yours? Yeah, it's the only new thing I've watched, but I'm just going to piggyback off yours, so go ahead. 
Okay, I mean, you watch more TNG. Um, I only saw that movie one time in the theater in 2002, and I hadn't really thought about it for 20 years. <laughs> um, so I didn't remember anything about it, but we sat down and watched it, and I knew its reputation was that it was like, you know, it was the Star Trek V of the Next Generation movies, essentially. Um, and I watched it, and it was totally fine. <laughs> it was like, what's the what's the big deal? Like, I thought it was... I don't. I didn't even. I don't even for sure think it was the worst of those four movies. I think it and Generations are kind of. I mean, when they sexualized Data, that was the worst one. (laughs) Oh, that was that was First Contact, which is the best one. But yeah, yeah, Um, I understand where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, I just like it wasn't amazing, but I I had a fun time with it, and little baby Tom Hardy was. You know, like doing oh, stuff. Little baby uh, Tom Hardy. You know, anytime I can get like two hours of Jean Luc and his pals, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, uh, Star Trek to Nemesis, Paramount Plus. I am seconding that as my plug because I have never seen it and I totally knew that it was critically panned and like supposed to be the worst one, mostly because I'm a Tom Hardy fan. And um, that was always like, remember when he was in that really bad movie? It's like, okay. But I thought it was totally fine. Mm -hmm. I liked the concept of like a Picard clone that's pissed off. And I don't know, other than the like creepy ass like mind rape scene, I thought good stuff. Oh, oh, I, oh, oh, that was not okay. That That was was, not okay. I, I I was out after that. But like, um, you know, if you just you just like work around that because contextually, I don't really think it did anything to help the movie or change anything in the movie. I think you could have just clipped that right out. Um, but yeah, I thought it was it was fine, and I love a baby Tom Hardy, and I love that the plot is that there's a Picard clone because Picard rules, and it's nice to see him be like, you know, are you me? But you're not really me, and then question himself. He gets real in his head. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Megan, uh, it's you know it's time for so those so the so those were our uh, plugs of the week, and now it is time for our uh, twice weekly uh, TNG check in with you. Um, yeah, uh, how's it been going since Saturday, uh, since Sunday? Um, I've <laughs> I forget where I left off on Sunday, but I've watched a lot of TNG. I finished up season four. Um, I think at the time I was oof looking at this. I think I was about halfway through season four. I'm now done with season four and I'm into season five and I have paused after uh, the last one I watched was episode six, the game, which was very entertaining, thoroughly enjoyed, but I've paused because I'm at the unification one and two episodes and you had requested we watch this together because you wanted to watch it again. And I stopped. So that's where I'm at. Um, But you know, just going right through them, going right through them. Love them. I I'm yeah. in a hole here. Yeah, you're in like a really good like era, like that that kind of like those middle seasons are kind of I think considered the the best. The quality has noticeably kicked up, and I think they story wise they still have some wacky episodes like where it's a little more fun, but I think they With are Q-Pid. tackling yeah like Cupid. 
which is so wild to me, but I still really liked it. But yeah, like, uh, but I think they're tackling secret, like more like this is what Starfleet is about topics and they're doing it better than they did in the first two seasons. So I'm into it. Really enjoying it. Ugh, I'm so sad that it's only seven seasons. You get 30 episodes of Picard after that. It's true. It's true. I'm yeah. I'm keeping that in the back of my mind. So I'm I'm just like, this is great. I love this space show from the 90s that I somehow missed. I think, I, well, I was five in 1990. So I guess I missed it because what was I going to do? Watch this show I, mean, I wouldn't have gotten? Star Trek, especially if you like have missed a lot of it, it's very daunting because there's so much of it. Especially yes. like in the 90s when there were three different series that happened of, of like many, many years, you know? Yeah, and as a completionist, I always was like, I should probably watch the original series. But that also seems daunting because, man, you really got to jump back in time and be okay with <laughs> with like the qual- like the, the film quality and the effects quality. And it just, it was never really super something I felt like getting into. I loved the movies we watched, which were made mm-hmm. after it aired, like after the original the series. The first one was... So. First one was 10 years after the cancellation of the series, yeah. Yeah, so they had some time, which, granted, you know, like Jenny said, in the first film, the little spaceman floating in just out there for no reason. Yes, the effects aren't 100% there, but it was a little easier to, like, get into that than than I thought going all the way back. But I'm glad that the next generation is just like, yeah, we're, like, we're years out from that. You don't have to worry. It's, It's fine. It's you don't even have to have references, so. Yeah. Well, all right. Awesome. I expect you'll be, like, finished with the series in a few weeks here, so. Oh, don't say that. But yeah. you're right. Well, uh, those are our Elite Beat Plugs of the Week, and I believe all that leaves is Dynamite. Dynamite. So, Megan, take it away from, uh, from your neck of the woods. It's true, yes. Dynamite was in Cincinnati this week. I didn't go because... I mean, I think I, we talked about it. My understanding is you could have gotten in very cheap and probably sat uh, by yourself. <laughs> yes, but I would have had to drive downtown, and I'm yeah, that's true. That's a pain. And pay for parking. That's just it's a whole thing. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it, it was at the Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's right on the river. It's about thirty to forty minutes away from where I live, so. I am lazy, and I just didn't. I watched it from the comfort of my own home, and I watched it a day late. And I'm fine with that. So, the show opens with the John Moxley versus Big Bill match for that uh, international title that Moxley has got. And, um, man, these two hit each other very hard, because I guess they can. I mean, Big Bill's real big and moxley is john moxley which also means of course he bled within minutes of starting this thing um but they they just had like a i would classify it as a big guy match even though you know they're they're big but more tall than what (laughs) (laughs) than the classic big guy match i mean moxley is just midwestern yeah he just has like a i eat corn-based food a lot sort of body Mm -hmm. and that's fine 
But yeah, ultimately, uh, John Moxley does get that big boy to tap out, which I thought was quite an accomplishment because Big Bill is supposed to be very scary, and he is, but Moxley is also still violent. Uh, and Moxley, obviously, being in his hometown, was not going to get booed, so he was he was pretty much the face in this one, despite the fact that he's pretty major heel elsewhere. Yeah. Uh yeah, match was good. I think I I think I actually liked the actually Andretti match last week a little better though, and I'm I'm very excited for Mox versus Phoenix next week. Oh yeah, Mox is going to be a big a good base for the Phoenix flying. Mm-hmm. I guess Moxley gets a a TBS pass or a TNT pass. I can't remember which show. TBS. TBS. Yeah. Uh for his uh, zero fucks shirt in his hometown. He's definitely worn that shirt before. And I remember at the time being like, can you do that? But, I mean, I have to assume that somebody saw him and nobody said, hey, you should probably take that shirt off. How How is he allowed to wear that on cable television? Uh. It's pre- It's... It's smaller font, and it's kind of light, so maybe they're just like, oh, well, we'll see how it goes. You're not saying the word, so it's fine, but yeah, I was surprised. Death Jitsu, zero fucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the only other thing to note here is that, like, Starks is there because Starks is, he has manager creds, obviously, I mean, he's no longer suspended, but he he can. So he's leading Big Bill out. Um, Brian Danielson has to run out to prevent cheating from Ricky Starks. And then after the win, uh, Starks and Big Bill, I think, beat start trying to beat Moxley up. But Claudio and um, Danielson are there. And they Claudio gives Big Bill, like, the uppercut, which is supposed to be, like, a devastating move. And... It doesn't really do anything, <laughs> so. I think there was something mistimed there. Okay, so it, it wasn't just to show how like dominant Big Bill was. It was. I think it. I think it was, but I think that like there was some hesitation afterwards, like because I think he was supposed to then like rush and shove him off the or uh, or no, um, uh, Starks was supposed to pull Bill down. Oh yeah, because Claudio looked like he wanted to run, but he was like, "I gotta wait." So. Yeah. Um, but still, Big Bill doesn't lose any credibility here. He still is, like, you know, a big scary guy, even though Moxley won. So Moxley retains the title. Big Bill, pretty mad. But what are you going to do? Lose to Moxley, apparently. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to get that. If it weren't for the title, I would have been more willing to entertain the idea that maybe he was going to win. But I don't think Moxley's going to lose the internet national. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and not in Cincinnati. You'd have to hit him elsewhere. Yeah. So, uh, after that, we go backstage where Renee is talking to Roderick Strong in the kingdom. Um, Roderick tonight is going to face Samojo in the main event, and it's the Grand Slam Eliminator Tournament Finals. Um, and so she's just asking him about that. Adam Cole interrupts, and he once again like just pleads to Roderick, Please don't do this. It's a horrible idea. I think you're going to get hurt. Joe could break your neck. And Roderick is like, 
thanks for finally caring about my neck health, but I'm going to do this anyway. <laughs> so he's he's like, I'm going to beat Samoa Joe tonight, and then I'm going to go on to beat MJF for the championship, and you're going to see how great I am. Pretty petulant. <laughs> he's this delusional. Is, this is my favorite version of Roderick Strong in a really long time. Just being a little, like, whiny boy. Remember, like, for, um, early ROH, TV, like, Sinclair TV, uh, Roderick Strong, where they did, like, skits of him just acting like a douchey frat boy with, like, drinking and with chicks on his arms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that version, too. So, it's been, like, thir- it's been, like, 11 years since I've, like, the... The version of Roderick Strong this much. Oof. Sorry, Roderick. Strong, the one that was in the AEW reality show for a minute with Adam Cole, was that another That's one? That's Kyle O'Reilly. Okay. I wonder... I'm trying to remember with his friends. I wonder what Roderick Strong is like as a person. I mean, I feel like it's really rough when MJF is like, hey, you're just an average bland white guy. But I kind of wonder, like, is that is that what he is like in person? I mean, huh? yes, like that, that is what he is, right? <laughs> I mean, bland. That's that's quite a a word to describe someone. I mean, I, so he might be one of those like secret charisma people who can't who can't like convey it in the ring. Like, apparently, Dean Malenko is a guy like that who's like really really funny and personable backstage but never really showed that in the ring huh. so maybe he's one of those guys because mm. because I, I enjoy roderick strong matches uh, because he's just like so technically proficient and has cool offense but i've never i've never emotionally connected to him as a wrestler i feel like typically if you have charisma it kind of oozes off of you I don't know. I think I think there are people who like can't always turn it on. It's you know they, they have to be in like more relaxed settings to you know. And then professional wrestling might not be. But he's really good at the wrestling part. Yeah, he's just not. It's it's when the the microphone is handed to him. Yeah. And um, you need and you need people who are really good at wrestling to be in wrestling, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I am enjoying his his run here, where he's just delusional. Um, but we will we will check back in with him at the main in the main event where he takes on Joe. But um, yeah, he he really believes he can win. The Kingdom guys are like, yes, you can win. We support you. So I don't know if they're also delusional or if they genuinely believe that, but they are there for him. They are massaging his neck and shoulders like good friends do. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. wishing him the best. Um, after that, in the ring, Tony Schiavone introduces Don Callis, hated most hated man alive. The crowd He was really he really didn't want to. You could tell. Yeah, Tony was like, mm, so now Don Callis. Mm, like he he just he hates that he's getting paid to do this. Um, so Don comes out and he comes out with Takeshi. Don has some music now. There is like, there is sound that comes out 
when he walks out. It's not just complete silence now. No, he's had it for a while, but it's hard to hear over the booing. But it's sort of like a like. Oh, maybe I maybe I heard it last night on last night's show because there were so few people in the building. Yeah. Oh, um, Andy, how dare you? Uh, but yeah, so he and Takesh to come out. Um, there is that easel that we had seen with Renee last week. It's in the ring. It's got the black velvet cover over it. And so this is Don Callis. Uh, I think Tony is like, this is the big reveal. Um, but Don walks out and he's like, me and Takeshita, we've been celebrating for the past week because we're awesome. And he's like, Takeshita has been teaching me about Japanese culture. Apparently the top guy in any promotion is called the ace. And so Ke- Takeshita would be the ace. Except when you beat Kenny Omega twice in seven days, they call you the Alpha. And so I guess that's what we're supposed to be calling Takeshita now because they even put a little graphic up on the big screen of the Alpha. And on one side was Takeshita, the other side was a wolf. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's one example of an Alpha. Yeah. So uh, keep that in the back of your head, I guess. I'm I, that's his name, Kanosuke the Alpha Takeshita. Uh, uh, <laughs> but Kaos goes on and he says, I don't feel bad for destroying Kenny. He he says, and I quote, I never had that empathy thing, which to me sounds like a complete sociopath. So good character, Don. That's mm-hmm. wild, wild statement. Um, but he says, beating Kenny isn't really enough, you know. We broke his body, but now I want to break his heart. And so he does his big reveal of the next target of the Don Callis family, and that is, surprise, surprise, Kota Ibushi. So he pulls back the black uh, um, velvet and (laughs) reveals a painting of Ibushi, who is on his knees. Don Callis is to his left, pointing. And then to his right is Takeshita standing like, with a sword above his head, just ready to plunge it downward and kill him. Very dramatic. Very much so. Who are they getting to make these paintings? Oh, uh, some like mall kiosk guy. <laughs> they look very airbrushy. <laughs> they, but it's clearly the same person each time because stylistically they do not change. So yeah, so Don has this painting and then he vows to destroy Ibushi while Kenny is stuck at home and he calls him a pathetic cuck and then he literally takes a a screwdriver and just jams it through the painting through uh, Ibushi's face so real wild stuff I loved it when he called him a pathetic cuck it was hilarious (laughs) yep so yeah, that's what's going on with the Callis family. <laughs> um, <laughs> after that, we we touch base with Alex Marvez, who I feel like we haven't heard from in a long time, but he is doing his journalistic thing backstage. He's tracked down the BCC, and he states the obvious, that there are issues between the BCC and Ricky Starks and Big Bill, and clearly they've been escalating. And Danielson is like, well, yeah, we love it when issues escalate. And we're going to escalate it further because on Collision, he says, me 
and Claudio are going to face Big Bill and Ricky Starks in a tag team match. So he he scheduled that. I guess TK's that match is it. that match is going to rule. Uh, you don't like Ricky Starks matches. I like him as a heel. I did not like him as a babyface. I was not interested. He has been doing some great heel work. So I that's on awesome. his wrestling. No, I don't like his babyface wrestling. Mm. Well, that's on collision. Um, Moxley and Claudio, uh, Marvez also points out, have they both have title defenses coming up at Grand Slam. Moxley will be going up against Ray Phoenix with his international title on the line. And Claudio will be going up against Eddie Kingston with both his ROH world or whatever they call it, the big one, and uh, Eddie's Japan... New Japan Strong, open New Japan title. Strong, open. Okay, yes. So whoever wins gets both. So big matches. Moxley's like, that's a vacation for us, babe. Like, it ain't, it ain't even nothing. So he's not worried. And then uh, Ray, Penta, and Alex Abrahantes burst in. Well, Alex is trying to hold them back to be fair but they burst into the frame ray is yelling at moxley i'm gonna get your title i'm like i'm gonna beat you he's very fired up uh but they get separated and eddie is also with them and he sort of ambles over to claudio and then they they just stare at each other until eddie's like one week and then he walks away and claudio watches him go very tense yeah um after that another interview renee she has tracked down hook the ftw champion um she convinced or congratulates him on winning his title back at all in and um before he has anything really to say i mean he's hook what does he have to say orange cassidy wanders over and he's like hey you look mad why do you look mad you're allowed to wrestle you have a championship and Hook is like, you were a great champion. And Orange is like, thanks, man. And they do like a lazy fist bump. And then uh, Hook walks away. And Renee turns to Orange and is like, how you doing, man? And he says, I'm still tired. So Orange just hanging out backstage. Orange Hook? Like a team? I would love it. Yeah. Hook Orange? Jenny's gonna play around with ideas of what to call that team. <laughs> Danhausen's pissed somewhere. Where is Danhausen? Okay, I I know he was injured, but it feels like it's been like a year since I've seen him. I don't know. He's like he's sad because he's injured and he can't go out there and perform for Jay anymore. And he's oh. sad because his, his buddy Pepsi Phil got himself fired. So, I don't know. He's probably just pretty bummed out, all like, overall. Oh, he was a CM Punk guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, Dan Housen. Like, I don't think, like, he dislikes anyone else. He just, I think he just, like, he was just friends with Punk. Okay. Okay. Well, I hope we see him back. And I hope I don't hear you randomly read off his name in the ROH recaps. <laughs> But yeah, we'll see. Uh, so next up, we have 
another match, and this is the uh, sort of women's four-way redo, only we're sliding Nyla Rose in where Soraya was last time. So it's Tony Storm versus Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker. And the winner gets a title shot against Soraya next week at Grand Slam. Um, <laughs> Tony is doing some really spot-on character work here. I love it. I love her new, just like, on another planet, Hollywood starlet thing. So, Did you see all the signs? Like, there were like there were like at least three shoe signs in the crowd. I don't, I don't think I saw them, but good for her for getting something over. Yeah, seriously, I think I think when you start to see like signs pop up like that for something, I think that is like I think that's a good indicator of the, that something's working. Yeah, I mean, it I, takes efforts to make a sign. Yes, it it does take effort. Um, but I think that means you're engaging your audience. Yeah, Tony is. She's been doing great stuff, and she's really committed, and it's awesome. Um, she she starts out the match by just rolling out of the ring. She doesn't take her like night, like her sheer robe off. She just leaves that on, and she just rolls out of the ring to let the others do their thing. And then when it's uh, advantageous to her, she pops up and tries to fight. Um. Sheeta and Britt have the ongoing sort of loose, tenuous alliance, but also they're like hurting each other on accident. <laughs> like, um, Britt almost punches Sheeta, or no, Sheeta almost punches Britt. And then later on, Britt also, she sort of st- starts to like do, she's like, oh yeah, I got to win here. So she's, she sets up to super kick Sheeta, I think, but Sheeta turns and catches her in the act. And is like, what's up? Um, and then ultimately, Sheeta and Britt's fighting leads to uh, Britt getting rolled up for the pin because she was so concerned about dealing with Sheeta that she didn't see Tony Storm coming. And so Tony Storm, she's the winner, and she will be facing Soraya at Grand Slam. Right call feels like a big match, especially with the big Outcast storyline going on, and and Tony's, you know, I feel like Tony's peaking at the right time. Yeah, yeah, definitely supported by storylines and Tony, awesome, loving her right now. Um, it feels it feels soon to take the title off of Soraya just because, just you know, because time wise, it's literally been less than a month. But uh, you know, you don't like sometimes the story is winning the title, right? It's not being the champion. It's just that you did you won the title. She won the title in London, in front of her family, at the big Queen entrance. I think that she. She had her moment, and I think you you probably go with Tony, who's clearly the hotter character right now. I support that. I guess I wasn't sure because of how quickly that would be taking it off Soraya, but, I mean, you make a good point. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So, after that, we do hear from Soraya and Ruby Soho, who both are like, wow, Tony's lost her mind, and uh, like Renee Very proud is proud of baby girl though. Yeah, they're like Saray is like proud of you girl, and I think to- or Ruby is like, eh, like she just kind of shrugs, like I don't know, sure. Jenny pointed out that they're all they're 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 all black now. Uh huh. Took away the green. Yep. Well, new configuration. So, uh, 
Yeah, Soraya's like totally fine with Tony Storm being her challenger at Grand Slam. She says that a year ago things were different. Tony was the champion. She was coming in as the new kid. And since then, Tony has lost it all, including her mind. And um, this time around, Tony will not be walking with the championship. Um, Soraya plans on keeping it. So we shall see if that's the case. Uh, but yeah, she seems confident. After that, we hear from Les Sex Gods. Um, Jericho and Sammy, they come out to talk because they have a match against each other for the first time ever on Grand Slam because, you know, they've been pretty tight. Uh, Jericho says, we've been together since the first ever episode of Dynamite, and I just want to remind everyone of our friendship. So he has put together a very uplifting video package with highlights of, you know, they're four years together. Um, at the end of it, Sammy's like, oh, that's touching. And he he sort of like very charmingly goes, I have to confess, Chris, I still don't know the lyrics to Judas. And Chris is like, that's okay. You also were always off key. So <laughs> they kid. Um, but Jericho's I like. I remember those Sammy um, singing Jericho days in the uh, Atlanta place during the pandemic oh i think it was made worse because he was given a microphone so you could oh. really hear the fact that he couldn't come up with the lyrics or sing on key that's true that's true uh but yeah so <laughs> it's like a it's like a nice moment between them and um jericho he says sammy i saw you in a match at nwa 70 and i was like who is this kid and that's when I told Tony Khan he needed to sign you. And he says, he says, like, Sammy, I wanted to bring you in so that I could work with you and help you grow. And he also says he's really proud of everything Sammy has accomplished in the last four years. And Sammy is like, you know, I guess I should, like, normally in wrestling I should be like, oh, I'm going to kick your ass. But I do want to thank you. And he he thanks him for being an inspiration and changing his life. Sammy says that without Chris Jericho, there would be no AEW. And, you know, it's all very heartwarming. But the, Sammy does sort of like, he takes a beat and he says, um, but really I didn't come to AEW to be Chris Jericho's sidekick. Uh, I want to be like John Moxley and Brian Danielson and even you, Jericho, but I can't do that if I'm stuck in your shadow. And Jericho, like, he takes that well. He says, yeah, I agree. Um, our max match next week is one of the biggest ones of both our careers. And you do have to beat me to make it to the next level. So you better be the best version of yourself. And um, at the same time, I don't think you're ready. And when he says this, Sammy sort of like looks annoyed. <laughs> and he just says, see, Chris, see, this is what you do. He's like, I am ready. I am going to beat you and it's I'm going to beat you as the man I am now. And he he tries to keep it light because he adds like you know after after I beat you next week uh we we can just go on and win tag team matches together and it'll be fine. And Jericho sort of looks like oh okay and then he pulls him real in real close and they like do that like nose to nose like stare down thing and Jericho mm -hmm. says next week I'm going to hit you real hard. 
I'm going to kick your ass, and I expect you to do the same to me. And Sammy's like, oh, I will. So it got real <laughs> intense at the end. But um, they leave as friends, supposedly. I'm not into this. Oh, okay. Are you? Um, Like, I'm not. It's not my favorite thing, but I'm not against it. I'm just kind of like, oh, I guess we'll see. Most of the time, I'm not into Jericho storylines. Yeah. Been a while, huh? Yeah. Never since I liked the champagne stuff he did at the very beginning. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, Andy, what is it particularly that's not like clicking for you? I guess I'm feeling very over both of them. Um, mm. Sammy hasn't even done anything. How can you be over him? Yeah, he never does anything. Okay, all right. Like, he's just, like, he's been the same guy for four years. I don't feel like he's had any, like, real character development or growth. He's he's just, he's, like, back to what he was at the beginning at this point. Because yeah. he, at least, like, when that, like, he had a little bay face around, it was, it was kind of different. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, honestly, I'd be more interested in them and, and them doing a real tag team run than anything else, I think. Do you think Sammy will win? I think Sammy should win, um, but that doesn't always mean anything. I think you know. I think I think Sammy will win. Okay, because I I agree. I think he should win, but I, you know, I'm never sure with the Jericho stuff. What way they're yeah. going to go with that? Right. I mean, Jer- on the other hand, Jericho. He did just lose, like, a big match to Will Ospreay, so it could be in, like, Jericho needs to get a, a big win Is it Sammy going to have to go out here for a while because the baby's coming soon? I mean, yeah, but he, who knows how long he'll be gone. Like, it might only be, like, a few weeks, you know? Hmm. Yeah, it's not, like, my favorite, but I'm also just kind of like, eh, okay, that's happening. Yeah. So, we'll see. Um, on to more compelling things. Uh, next up, we get an interview segment. And this is from last week. This is from right after... Oh. The conceit of this was hilarious to me. Because Max had to cut a promo on... Basically on the main event for this week's show... But he had to pretend that he didn't know who was going to win the the quarter the the semifinal matches. He just had yes. to presume. Yes. So this was from last week when, as he said, we're not sure who's going to win. Um, but right after MJF's match, Renee tracks him down in the medical area to get an update on his status, and um, Adam Cole is there. And the doctor very clearly says, well, you're not you're not able to travel this week. So we we get basically he's not going to be here. He's not at the show. He's not allowed to travel. But the doctor's like, but you should be recovered for Grand Slam. So he'll be there. <laughs> that was funny, too. Didn't didn't that happen another time like a while back where where they did an angle where like a medical like a doctor was like. 
I can't clear you uh, now, but like, you know, in two weeks, yes, you'll be clear. <laughs> yes, like, I think it was Hangman with the, the concussion. He was like, well, oh, if you just yeah, keep yeah, doing yeah. what yep. you're doing, you should be fine. That's, but not this week, uh, but next week. You remember the verbiage. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> if you just keep following medical advice, we're sure you'll be a fine for next week. Um, so, yeah, MJF, very these, pointedly. Like, like minority report. Like future seeing doctors here in AEW. Yeah, they're like, it's fine. She'll be fine. <laughs> so FJF will be at Grand Slam, but he's not here tonight. Just letting you know now. And upon hearing this, MJF goes, sweet, I get a week off. Because, you know, he hates to wrestle his job. Mm-hmm. He just, he hates it. Um, he didn't want to come to Cincinnati anyway. No, he hates us. He would insult our chili. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... So he is not here, but he says he has to cut a promo on two people, essentially, because he doesn't know who he's actually going to face. And he says, basically, like, I'm good with either Roderick Strong or Samoa Joe because I have issues with both of them. And so he he gives Roderick a basic, like, calls him a, a bland white dude and just is like he insults him. And Adam is standing there and he sort of. He doesn't say anything, but he sort of makes a face that's like, ooh, that's my friend. Uh, he he's a little upset. Way. Yeah. Especially when Max uh, says that Roderick's neck injury is fake. Yeah. So Adam still, I guess, considers himself Roderick's friend, even though Roderick's pretty much like, I don't know, not being great. Um, so so he says that, but then he, he turns uh, and he cuts a promo on joe where he starts out just being like joe i'm gonna fucking kill you i'm gonna kick your ass and then and then he just he cuts the scott steiner math promo on joe with uh you know a few words changed here and there to suit his needs obviously because his name's namoa joe and they're gonna be at arthur ass stadium but it is it was brilliant i loved it so much jenny how did you feel i love it that's my favorite promo of all times thought MJF did an excellent job. Love. Love everything that is happening with this right now. And beyond loved the Scott Steiner promo. The crowd was hyped. The crowd the crowd knew exactly what was happening very quickly. Uh Yeah. My my only my only note, much like Jenny noting Greta Gerwig um, (laughs) on the Barbie plot. Uh I was disappointed. There's there's one part in the Samojo in the, in the Scott Steiner promo where he means to say drastically, but he just says drastic. Like he says, like your chances of winning drastic go down. <laughs> and I've always thought that was so funny. And I wish Max had recreated that, but he actually says drastically instead. That's a fair. That's note. my only note. Okay, it's fair note. I just got really excited because I was like, what is happening? He's doing it. This is wild. This is our favorite thing collectively as a podcast. Oh, he, did this, he did the whole thing. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. And the math really works until a certain point. <laughs> Which says a lot. Good job, Scott Steiner. <laughs> Your chances are drastic reduced. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, quite a fun time. (laughs) 
we see where MJF is. We see where Adam is. Um, Adam Cole. But speaking of Adams, jumping back to this timeline, uh, the next match of the night is Brian Cage going up against Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page. Um, this is, I guess, because, uh, you know, Swerve has it out for Adam, and so he's sending the muscle of the Mogul Embassy to work him over. Um, but, you know, it's also technically the third match between these two men. So that's a stat, I guess. Um, but Adam ends up winning with the dead eye. Uh, but it is quite a, a physical match. You know, Brian Cage is a big man. Adam Page, kind of sneaky big. Uh, but they do, you know, they have a match. It's fine. I don't know. You, you were not into it. I wasn't not not into it. It just was like, okay. You think it warranted the This Is Awesome chance? I mean, there were This Is Awesome chance. I think my favorite part was when uh, Hangman does a 619 on Brian Cage, and it kind of, he sort of like, he sort of like gets caught in the ropes. He he like does the move, but then he sort of hangs there for a minute and he, he like recovers and then he looks at the audience and he laughs and he goes, never done that one before. <laughs> Just like, oh, hangman, you wacky. Apparently the, um, apparently the out of WWE canon name for that move is the area code shot. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. That's, uh, what, that's, that's what Excalibur and Taz both called it. Okay. The area code shot. But yeah, Adam's just like, whoops. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, I don't know. It was it was a fine match. Just It was the first of, I mean, it didn't annoy me as much until it happened the second time, but it was the first of two matches in a row where uh music played and a babyface got distracted. Yes, it's true. Swerve did show up and his music hit and Adam was like, "What?" And then um Brian Cage tried to pin him. It did not work. But Swerve stood there for the rest of the match, very judgily, on the <laughs> stage. <laughs> so after Adam wins, um, Swerve is just kind of stand there, and Adam gets a mic, and he he basically calls out Swerve for sending Cage out to fight him instead of just doing the dirty work himself. And Swerve is like, you know what, I. I'm dictating when we're going to do this thing and it's not tonight. You and I wrestle dream October 1st. That's when it's going to happen. What do you think is uh, a swerve going to win because the first match of the feud and there is hometown and B is hangman going to work at least subtle heel. Ooh, I could see Swerve winning because it is his hometown and like he's not a pushover heel. I don't know about the hangman heel thing. I guess I mean, he's Swerve's... going to get booed regardless. Well, then I guess he'd have to. He didn't have to, but like, you know, he could have fun with it. <laughs> he, yeah, he might as well. Like, why not? If you're getting booed, you might as well just like lean into it. So, I right, we'll see. Wrestle Dream October 1st. Um but 
Swerve calls it, and then um, Adam is distracted. Nana and Cage attack him, and then Swerve's music hits, and Prince Nana, like, Brian Cage is, like, attacking Hangman, and Prince Nana just kind of diverts to dancing. He just sort of, like, looks at the camera and is just, like, doing his, like, really aggressive, like, swerve when I ride, like, sort of, like, doing the steering wheel. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's really good dance and it's he's he's really gonna get over doing that yeah he's it's if he's bananas. not already yeah. yeah he uh and but he's like really focused on it he's really into it so he does not notice when the young bucks pop up and take out brian cage and then they they consider him and they're just kind of watching him as he dances very emphatically with his back to them and they're sort of like laughing and then when he finally turns around, they they take him out. Um, but it's just, it's very fun. Prince Nana, what a fun manager. He he just, he gets into it. I love it. Of all the, like, of all the people from the original run of Ring of Honor, like dating back to 2002, <laughs> who I thought would, you know, become stars and. The, in this, the year of our Lord, 2023, Prince Nana was not on that list. <laughs> yeah, he's coming out of nowhere, it man. Seems, it seems like it's happening, though. Good for him. And I hope he, I mean, he looks like he's having a goddamn ball doing it. So oh, yeah. good for him. I mean, yeah. This is, I mean, this is definitely the best run of his career, you know? Yeah. So you never had like a big, this you know, nearly this big a platform before. No, and I think it's good he's with Swerve because Swerve actually has like, like quality to like he's you know yes. he's not just a throwaway. It's, it's like we were saying about Air Fox. It's like what a bummer that like they took him out of that spot, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, <sighs> I cannot. The last few weeks, it's just dawned on me because I guess they've just been doing a lot of Swerve close-ups. I think Swerve really looks like, 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 like mid two thousands Idris Elba. I could see that. Like facially, not obviously the hair is you know different, but I could see that he's very like. Which I mean, hot. Yeah. No, I was gonna say like I he again like I think I said last week, but like when he's out there. My eyes are drawn to him. Like, he has an energy about him that's just, like, he's magnetic. So. I think he's going to win the world title at some point. I think he should. He, he's yeah. really good. Yeah. There are a lot of people in this company I think should win the world title at some point, though. So they're probably not all going to get it. But yeah, You just start cycling them through. Come on. I mean, it's, yeah. it's tough because it's on Max right now, and he's. You know him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be hard to take it off him. But oh, man. I don't know. Right now, I think it. I think it lifts right off. I think you could do all this Burchacho stuff, which I enjoy, um, to the side at this point. Yeah, but would his motivation, like, if the belt was taken away from him, would his character? Do you think okay, he would let it go? The, that's the thing. At all in, he he was ready to let it go. He was saying he remember he told Adam that the friendship meant more to them than the title at the end of the match. That's true. So I think we're already like 
we, we've crossed that line. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, that's exciting to think about. Because I do think, like, yeah. uh, you're right. Like, a lot of people deserve it. But trying to work through that with storylines and stuff obviously takes time. Yeah. So. Hmm. I think they should get it in order of age. So. <laughs> yeah, so that they don't age out. Yes, I think I think Joe should win it next next Wednesday, and then he should drop it to Brian Danielson, and then uh, Hangman should get another run, and then Swerve. Okay. I think that's I mean, the right order. In theory, yes, like in theory, you could do that all in like a year. Yeah. So. Oof, all right. Well, we'll leave that as speculation. Uh, but oh, no. so, so it has to be it has to be Swerve. Beats Danielson and then Paige beats Swerve. That's good. That works better anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. So so hey, hey here you go. Okay, here's here's my grand plan for the next year. Swerve okay. beats Hangman at Wrestle Dream. Okay. And then all these other dominoes fall. Like Joe. In the meantime, Joe's already beat uh, Max. Mm-hmm. Then get uh, Danielson beats Joe at some show. Then Swerve gets the title. It has a long heel reign. And then finally, Adam Page, the, the the hero of AEW, finally comes back and gets a second world title reign. There you go. I could see that. Because, you know, this is the year of Danielson as well. So he's going for everything he wants. I could see him yeah. being like, I want that title. I don't care who has it. I yes. just want it. I I think... I really think that... I really think Brian Danielson should be AEW champion before he retires. Oh my god, yes. Like, that's, yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm liking this more and more. By the way, the Young Bucks, because I cut you off, the Young Bucks super kick Prince Nala. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's sad after the dancing, because, you know, he was just, he was having a great time. Yeah. But, anyway. Okay, after that, <laughs> after all that happens, we go back to Renee. She's talking to Daniel Garcia. Um, she asks him about this whole Sammy Jericho thing, and Daniel gets upset because he's like, don't you want to talk about my stuff? Like, I'm tired of, I'm tired of talking about Sammy and Jericho. I'm tired of talking about people who are not me. Like, talk about She's me. like, what is, what is your stuff, Daniel? <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Well, luckily, he doesn't have to answer because Don Callis is here. He slides on into screen and he says, you're right, Daniel. When you're friends with Chris Jericho, it's always all about him. What a burden. And Danny Garcia, he like stops him. He puts his finger up to his mouth and he's he just like, like quiets him. And then he he brings his hand back and he transitions into doing his wild ass dance at Don Callis and then he leaves and Don's like you see that Renee that's money I'm gonna let's go make some money and he follows Daniel Garcia so I think he's he's really trying to get him into the Callis family even though I don't know Daniel Garcia does not seem like he has the uh same attitude as like a, a heel Takeshita but I don't know the family could be wide-ranging I guess 
Yeah, you know, it takes all kinds. You can't have a bunch of alphas. Mm. That defeats the purpose, right? Yeah, it would be a disaster. Of that, of that bullshit study of wolf packs that was debunked years ago. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but but lives lives in bro culture forever. You can't be a beta, dude. Don't be a beta <laughs> cuck. Don't Idiot. be a beta cuck. The Kitty Omega. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you think that Daniel Garcia, I guess, do you think he'd fit in with the Callis family? I think that's a good direction for him. I don't know if they're wacky enough. I don't think they are. I think yeah. they're really mean. I think Daniel Garcia probably needs like a babyface turn. Like, it's very clear that he kind of wants to get out of this. Like, he, he like, this distance himself from the JAS, but, you know, I think they're all hanging out together without Jericho and Sammy, so I think he needs to go one step further <laughs> to fully leave the pack. What's this flavor of White Claw that Jenny was drinking? I don't remember. It was complicated. White Claw Surf. Tropical Pomelo. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Pomegranate and something? Ooh, sounds good. I mean, that's, that'd be the palm, right? What's what the, I wonder what the mellow is. Mm. Melon? I could see that. Watermelon? Maybe. Oh, mm. it's not bad. Okay, I can finish this. Enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Oh. Uh, Apparently, the Arizona Cardinals, I have not followed up on doing research on this, but the Arizona Cardinals did Dan Garcia's dance as a celebration? That's what he said. Yeah. How did I hear about this? I I watch Arizona football. It's the Arizona Cardinals. We live in Ohio. It's true. We're not getting up-to-date stuff on that. Yeah. But yeah. I believe it. That dance is so weird. Arizona Cardinals linebacker Dennis Gardeck uses AEW star Daniel Garcia's dance during Commanders versus Cardinals. Okay. Nice. DG, DG. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking, watching a little video now. He's doing the dance. It's weird. I wonder if other people on the field know what that is or if they're just like, what is he doing? Yeah. I mean there is that there's a guy for um the George Kittle for the 49ers who's really into Penta. Oh. Okay. Remember he like gave Penta a 49ers style Pentagon mask? Yes. Oh, I do remember that. But he doesn't like do like he's not out there being like Sarah Miedo. Yes, he is. Oh, is he? Yeah. Like, after he, you know, has big plays, I think he Sarah Miedo's everybody on the fucking field. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's, you know, he's an offensive player. He could potentially come up against this linebacker, and he could, like, try to, he could, like, Sarah Miedo and then get Daniel Garcia danced in his face. (laughs) That would be amazing if in the context of football, it's just, like, one guy's, like, Sarah Miardoing, and then the other guy just responds with the wacky dance. Oh my god. 
I do hope that happens, honestly. They're in the, I mean, are they in the same division? They're way out west, NFC West. Yeah, what's the NFC West? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm like figuring this out. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're in the same division, so they play each other twice every year. This is very possible. Oh, hell yeah. Somebody tell them they need to like do this to each other. Yeah. Get up in there. Okay. Well, <laughs> while that sporting stuff goes on, um, the next match of this year's show is a tag match. It's Darby and Nick Wayne taking on Daddy Magic and Cool Hand. And, uh, you know, it's like, this is a match that happens so that Christian Cage can come out and be on commentary with Luchasaurus and basically, like, have the uh, face commentators talk about how he's not the actual TNT championship or champion. Like, I think Shivani's just like, you know you're not the champion, right? Like, Luchasaurus is the champion, and Christian repeatedly sort of skirts around that. Um, but, so this match... Uh, Ends with Darby Allen pinning Angela Parker. He does a coffin drop. It's fine. But again, it's background to like the commentary and what's going on with Christian. And so after the match ends, Christian gets up and he's just like, Nick Wayne. Uh, I have uh, noticed you. And also I have been, uh, I've noticed your mom on Instagram. He says, you know, I have one complaint. She does not post enough bikini pics. And, uh, but that's okay. Cause I sent a special personal request to her and I'm just like, Christian, this is amazing. I, f- I love it. I just, I cannot with him. Uh, but yeah, he's trying to ent- entice the young Nick Wayne to like, you know, find a better influence, find someone who can help him a little more. And, um, so far Nick Wayne is not, Swayed, like I don't think during this he was. I don't know. He didn't look interested, but Christian is out there scouting. No, I think if Christian really wants to seal this deal, he's going to have to pivot away from talking about the mom. But I don't want him to because that's just so fun. Well, you know, he can do it for a few more weeks. Okay, but uh, he does challenge Darby and not Nick Wayne, but Sting. To a match against he and Luchasaurus. So. You know he's not. He wants a fight but he doesn't want to alienate. His young. Potential protege. Yes. So. With that. We get to the main event. And it is. Oh. oh. I'm going to say. The. Their. Their double finisher that they've now done twice. Mm-hmm. Where they both get up on the same post, Darby does the coffin drop, and and Nick does the the huge moonsault to the outside. Is Wayne's really world? Good. No, Wayne's world is his is his uh, springboard cutter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, or maybe maybe it's not. Maybe that is something. Different. I don't know. Anyway, um, regardless, uh, I really like it when I really like that uh, that double that double man move they do. Yeah, it is cool. Also, like, do you think that um, it's a bummer for Nick that? Um, twice now in the last month he's been in a position where he's in like 
he's in matches and he's in a feud, and then then like the pay per view match is like except or I guess not the pay per view match, but just the next the real big match is like except Sting will be Darby's partner for this match, of course. I mean, yes, like, you're, like, you're, you're, you're the, you were definitely the junior partner in this uh, in this unacknowledged trio. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's very annoying, but at the same time, it makes it makes sense from like. They're not having him win a lot. I think he only got one win so far. They're very much treating him like a new guy to the company. And I think, as you've said many times, like that's the right move because you don't want to shove him down the the crowd's throat. So in some ways, it's like, this is the positioning of your character. Don't worry, Nick Wayne. We're going to deliver on you later. But right now, it doesn't make sense for you to be in a pay-per-view match. I, yeah, I, we're in a, a uh, yeah a big uh, Grand Slam match. Yeah, I'm sure it's not fun to hear, but they they are booking him stronger than I had expected um, this early on. Because if you remember when he had it for his first match against Swerve and he lost, I was like, good, he shouldn't win for a long time because he's. A fucking child. <laughs> and, yes. And people and people resent him. But I think I think it's I think it's going along pretty well. And I think the, the smart thing is that he's just always with Darby. Yeah. So it makes sense if he's not the one winning the match or if he's the one getting pinned. I mean that makes sense. Yeah, I think the only pin he got is in that the the tag against AR Fox where mm-hmm. you know which was the catalyst for AR Fox getting kicked out of the embassy, anyway. Yeah, he didn't get the job done. He got beat by a child. So. Don't worry, Nick Wayne. When Christian adopts you, you're going to get plenty of time, plenty of air time, all that. So, we'll see. Um, but yeah, from there, we go to the main event, and it is the, elim- or the uh, Grand Slam Eliminator final and so we've got Samoa Joe taking on Roderick Strong neck strong neck health be be mindful but (laughs) uh this match is uh I thought very good because they are really going for it um but Roderick as much as he wanted to to win the match and get to MJF he uh, he does not do it. Uh, Joe gets him in the, what is it, the uh, clutch? Coquina clutch. Coquina clutch. And um, he is choking him, and Roderick has to tap out because he's going to die. So Joe wins. Joe is going on to face MJF, and uh, Roderick is not happy about it. Uh, yeah, I bet not. Um, I did not see this, unfortunately. Uh, oh, you didn't I, watch it? I watched Dynamite today, and um, it was just we kept having to pause for various things, and and uh, we gave Emma her last bottle at eight o'clock, and we you know we record the show at eight thirty now, and so I had to turn the TV off for that last feeding so she would actually fall asleep, and uh, and we were. I was like, we were up to the video package 
recapping the tournament, basically. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. it was a good match. It was I quite bet. a thing. Yeah. They um, wrestled a lot of times. Well, Joe did a lot of his, like, I'm big and strong sort of moves. But Roderick did end up getting him up for, like, something um, that the announced team was very, like, whoa, he did it. Can't believe that. Um, so it wasn't one-sided, necessarily. Uh, it's just Roderick had to tap out. Um, Joe won. And then the kingdom immediately were like, ah, are you okay? And they go in to, like, help Roddy. Um but Joe is just like, all right, well, I'm doing this. So he gets on the mic after he wins, and he says, MJF, I'm coming for you. I'm going to win. I'm going to take everything from you, like everything. And so he walks away, and then medics come out <laughs> to help Roderick Strong. They put him on a stretcher. The kingdom is there with him. Adam Cole comes out. And it's, like, very concerned, but the Kingdom guys are like, stay back, stay back, you non-friend. Meanwhile, Roderick is laying there being like, Adam! Adam! Like, it's so, his, it's, just want to shake him. He's just like, Adam! Like, that tone, and it's like, shut up, shut up, you, you whiny boy. Uh, but Adam's trying to get to him, the Kingdom are like, no, you can't, you're mean, You he hates you. Um, so they take him away. And they're doing the thing where they they take the stretcher on the side of the ramp, so they're going out that way, and Adam runs up the ramp because the Kingdom guys are like, stay back, stay back. So he's trying to, like, sort of get around that, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Joe comes out, and he just grabs Adam, and he chokes him out to the oh, point nice. where, yeah, Adam goes unconscious. Like, he doesn't tap because it's it's not a match, but he, he chokes him out, and then he, Joe gets on the mic, and he's like, MJF, I said I'd take everything, and I'm taking everything. And so I was just like, oh, when he said that, I thought, like, are you going to steal his girlfriend? But it turns out he was going to steal his boyfriend and kill him. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming MJF's going to be pissed about this, but Joe was like, what up, bitch? And um, honestly, I thought it was a pretty cool ending. <laughs> Sounds cool. Man, this is like... You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the best version of Roderick Strong in a long time. This is the best version of Samoa Joe in a long time, too. This, this, uh, this, this Joe we've had right now, like, since the since the last few weeks has been phenomenal. Yes. Yes. And just to cap it off, Joe said, I'm going to take everything from you, kid. Everything. Like, he's calling mm-hmm. him a kid again, which is also great. <laughs> it's great. I do not think Joe is going to beat Max in <laughs> at Arthur in Ma- Stadium in, in Max's basically. home. Okay. Yeah. Um I know it's not his hometown, but uh it's you know because they're between Queens and Long Island, obviously, but uh but you know close enough. Um uh and Max probably is going to choke him out because he promised to do that. Um but I do think it would be cool if Smojo won the title. I do too. Especially after you outlined the whole like age progression yeah. of it <laughs> like let's just definitely take that off right that, now definitely something that's realistic and it's going to happen <laughs> don't discount yourself i mean realistically i do think if nothing else danielson is going to be like i want that title he should i've got a year i want that title 
Yeah. And so. he should win it from heel. Yeah. He shouldn't win it from Max. Or, again, just trying to shoehorn it in. Or Joe. No, I'm saying he should win it from Joe. A heel. Not Max, a babyface. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love your timeline. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. So, that is... That is Dynamite. And I think the real, the really key thing about these last two shows is, and we talked about it last week, everything seems really, really focused on building up to their big events in a way that was not happening for All In and All Out. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really jazzed up to see uh, friggin' uh, Grand Slam next week, and I also... Like and we also already know like a few matches for Wrestle Dream. So I mean I think they're I think they're doing a good job right now. I do too. And I am I am hyped. Like Wrestle Dream as a concept I'm very interested in because it's I don't know, like I think that Danielson Zack Sabre Jr. match is gonna be freaking like amazing. And now we've got Swerve and Hangman, so I'm kinda curious like where they're going with that direction wise. As far as like yeah. that show, but also Grand Slam, they're treating it very, very much like a vi- like a big important show, which I think is fun. Yes, um, yeah, it's like a really good card already, and like I think it's already a better card on paper than All Out was. Yes. Now, of course, All Out ended up being. And I didn't watch All Out, but from by reputation and by acclamation, and from you and what you and Amanda said, um, all that ended up being an excellent in-ring show, but there wasn't that hype there going into it, I don't think. Yeah. And again, because it was such a short, like, build-up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm really into Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian. I'm really into Swerve versus Hangman. And I'm intrigued by... They haven't officially announced it for... Seattle, but I'm I'm assuming that Ibushi versus Takeshita is also for that show. Oh yeah, I would assume. I mean, he's their next target. Yeah, and you know, Seattle's a pretty easy flight from Tokyo. Sure. Did did Ibushi bother going back? I mean, he was just on the. I mean, it was yeah, it was a few weeks ago. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's uh, back in Japan. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Let's look at his Instagram. Does he post fairly frequently? I don't know. I'm going to assume that this is the real Kota Ibushi. Maybe I shouldn't. Where is the real Kota Ibushi's Instagram? I mean, if he's on X, it's it's up in there. But yeah, Instagram, they should have a little check that actually you don't have you can't buy it. 11,000 followers. Does that sound possible? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay, if this is really Kodobushi, then I I can't... Uh, okay, either he doesn't 
Okay, he hasn't posted since 2019, if this is really good. <laughs> oh, yikes. Okay, yeah. That's that's not helpful. Yeah. Well, okay, I don't know if he's back in Japan or not, but I would assume he is. He might be more of a Twitter guy. Or, um, again, sorry, X. But... X going to give it to you. <laughs> that's how you sell that stupid platform. Yeah. All right. Uh... Hey, let's let's wrap this up here, okay? We already did plug of the week because it goes earlier in the show now, so Jenny can get her precious sleep. <laughs> what a loser, needing sleep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're gonna go. Thank you for listening. We'll be back Sunday to talk about Collision because we're real colliders over here. Hell yeah! Uh, for for Jenny and for Megan, I'm Andy, and this has been the Elite Beat. E. Leap beat. E-E-Leap beat.